and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We'd hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Thanks for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. <laughs> your roles are like telling your significant other that the session is almost over. <laughs> Those are so bad. All right, so... Um... Before we get started, today we have a very special uh, guest with us, uh, Kurt Simcox. Say hi, Kurt. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Kurt is the uh, author of uh, Oricon's Lair. Did I get that right? Mm, close. Oricon's Lair. Oricon's Oricon. Lair. Okay. Very, uh, very cool. And actually, he'll be the subject of our uh, main topic today. Thanks to our fellowship party member, Goblinstone, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, The Banquet of the Damned. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Make sure to head on over to www.goblinstone.com, or you can check out our fellowship link on our website at critacademy.com. This week's winner is Croc CHR000. Woohoo! Alright, so on today's show, our first segment will be in the realm. You'll hear a little bit about us and our current, uh, current adventures. Um, segment two is Let's Talk About Blank, where we hear feedback from uh, you. Um, and today, specifically from Redditor Yo 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 HDD. <laughs> Great name, by the way. <laughs> right. Epic. Uh, our main topic, as we just uh, discussed, is uh, Oricon's Lair. You got it. You got, got it. it. And then our last and final segment is our personal favorite, Unearthed Tips and, and Tricks. <laughs> but before we get on, let's talk about In the Realm. If you're, It's a new segment we've added where we talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives and uh, since our last episode. So we'll actually ask, uh, would you like to go first, Kurt? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, in my life recently, um, currently looking to start a new D&D group. Um, we're going to be starting our new campaign uh, next week. It's a bunch of people I've played with prior to other games, um, but looking really forward to uh, getting started there. I'm going to run them through a module that has grown in popularity it's pretty new it's called claws of madness by lore smith you uh is that um, one you did a review on yes i think i re- read that it sounded yeah. very interesting and i actually yeah and i have a uh, special exclusive interview with chris coming up this week um That's he's exciting. the founder of lore smith Ooh. uh and he's going to go over some of the new things they're going to be coming out with in 2017 oh so. that sounds awesome well it yeah. sounds like you got your uh your calendar pretty full there, huh? Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, anything going on in your life? Well, uh, <laughs> it was about a week and a half ago now. We did a one-shot D&D night here. Oh, it was awesome. I got pictures that I'm going to post today. I finally got to DM with a beholder. I've been wanting to for a while, and so I finally really got to do it. it. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I didn't get to kill anyone. Almost. Came pretty close. Yeah, well, I was unconscious most of the time, and that wasn't fun. <laughs> I think Michael got was at, like, 
I asked him afterward. He was at like three HP. Oh damn! <laughs> if you would have gotten hit one nice. more time, he was done. So yeah, that beholder um, really threw us for a loop. Um, obviously, I knew about the the cone effect and its thing, but you know, yeah. I tried really hard not to metagame. Well, that. And especially for Michael, he would built his entire character around that like magic hammer, and then he was <laughs> it wouldn't work. I felt so bad because it was a really cool character concept. It was Basically, a lot of fun, um, anyone like if you've ever played League of Legends, the character Jace, mm-hmm. that's basically what. Uh, one of our guys' players was playing. It was like a, a hammer that could switch between like r- shooting miss like energy missiles out of the front and being an actual hammer. And he kept. <laughs> he only ever tried to shoot it when he was in the anti magic cone. He Which never tried isn't it when he was. No good. It's just a regular big uh, weight at that point. Yeah. So, wow, but it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was. You had, did a good job. I actually took some pictures. Um, I've been meaning to post them, so I'll make sure. To Your do character that. was fun too. Oh yeah, I loved. Yeah, I was running a, a the Bardbarian, which by the way, when I posted in the the D and D group, they're like, "No, that's terrible." But it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah. Granted, you know, I was in that stupid. I was unconscious half the time because some stupid For the laser. Fight. Yeah, I jumped and tried to manhandle this thing, grapple around it, and then I got shot with a pink laser. <laughs> what the shit is that? Um, nice. So. <clears throat> Was it a typical Beholder, or was it one of the newer variations from Volo? Uh, it was one of the, just typical from the Monster Manual. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, that's very cool. Um, as far as me, I haven't done a, a whole lot uh, recently. been playing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> I uh, think that's what you've said for every yeah, time we've done yeah, this. Yeah, um, that's pretty much, uh, <laughs> pretty much my... You see the pictures daily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm posting them on Facebook. At yeah, first, I didn't nerdy. realize what that was. Just I didn't realize what it was. Shots? It was just like random pictures of like video game characters fishing. I'm like, what it's, the hell? it says Final Fantasy in the little corner. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. But uh, you know, I have uh, had a little bit of fun. My wife and I are taking weekly dance dancing classes, and we're dancing. What every kind of dance day? We are learning the salsa. Oh, and it's a lot of fun. We have salsa nights at my school too. You can come and it's teach very raunchy salsa. Very raunchy, and I'm really excited because my <laughs> wife's not the type to get too raunchy. When people around, <laughs> I have I actually have to teach people how to salsa. Do you really? Yeah, we do it. We do salsa nights in the language lab, and I have to teach people to salsa. That's awesome <laughs> and awkward because <laughs> those are your those are. Well, I mean, you're all kids to me, but you're actually an adult, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 20. <laughs> you're getting there. You're young compared to me. <laughs> so that's uh, that's it for in, in the realm. A little bit about us. Moving on to our next segment, let's talk about Blank, or where we hear feedback from Crit Nation. You wanna? So yeah, we have a question from Yo 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 HDD, and he says, uh, "How do you hint to players that an encounter is too dangerous? Say, for example, your adventure party is walking walking through the woods when they come across a group of orcs, and there is some sort of complex conflict that needs to be solved with them." There are a lot of them, and the orcs haven't noticed the players yet. However, you know the DMs put more orcs out than the party is probably going to be able to handle, unless they get surprise, get like a surprise round and, and do some pretty hefty damage at the beginning. The party can of course talk to the orcs, but if diplomacy fails, they will be heavily outnumbered. How do you hint players that they need to be very cautious without directly saying so? This is a really good question. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of ways you can handle it. You know, one a very simple way is. Just make an insight check. No, it's too strong. Or you have a weird, you have a, you have a gut feeling. You have a gut feeling that this might be difficult. Don't say you're not going to be able to beat them because you you you, pro- you think that you probably shouldn't try it okay. because 
you, you don't want it, when you say you can't beat them. At least to me, you're railroading them, saying no, don't do that. Instead of saying, yeah. well, you so can try, it. You, you can try, but you don't think you'll succeed. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. But really, it comes down to just how. You, uh, I think a lot of that is on the DM with how you describe the group, with how you describe right. the actions. You know, if these orcs are doing this, like if they're you walk up and they're performing an execution or something, and it's just this terrifying scene, and you you, you want to kind of instill instill that fear in them that. We don't really want to mess with them. They yeah. they're they're kind of a little scary. What about yeah, you? I'd say Robert? it's about yeah. I was gonna say I'd say it's about describing heavily the group that you're dealing with. So like, you know, a DM can kind of get away with, uh, you know, to Ryan's point there, like saying like, oh, you see these orcs and they're, you know, all staring at you intently, um, and they have their clubs out and they're just like pouncing away and they're looking through you as if like you know they're going to easily overcome you uh with their numbers uh you know um i've done it before um i've had this scenario it was actually not with orcs it was with one level 20 uh monk <laughs> and my players were level fives oh, there were only like God. three of them <laughs> and she was actually supposed to be a good person npc I like how he's uh, it was just to supposed be. to be a role play conversation, <laughs> um, but we know how players can be. <laughs> For sure, we've all got a little murder hobo so they, on us. Yeah, so when they rolled up on this person and they started like, um, you know, being the, their same old murder hobo ways, um, I tried to give them hints um, by how powerful uh, she was because she. You could basically blink out existence, show up behind them at any moment, and flick them in the ear. <laughs> if I can explode. When they were, yeah. Who was your pinky hole? Right. Yeah. Um, and once they got into the fight with her, um, you know, they obviously missed a ton of times just with basic attacks. Um, so I described those narratively like uh, one went into slash at her, and I said, you know, you take your sword. And it goes, and you think, yeah, I got, I ran this person through. And you look, and she caught the blade between her arm blade, or her, uh, you know, in between her armpit, basically. <laughs> and she looks at you, and she smiles. <laughs> and then she open hand palms and pushes you away for, like, ten feet. Like, you know, to try to be like, look, this person's a badass, and you you're messing with the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually a pretty good way to handle it. I'm big on taunting. I like to taunt. Mm-hmm. Um, like like you said, when she caught it in her armpit, I'd been like, please. Yeah, um, right. But as far as, obviously, the obvious reason way to do it is a very visual description of the threat. Mm-hmm. Um, the DMG actually has a rule in place where you can do like a fear save or something like that, where if something is so overwhelming they will get scared yeah. and you give them that save to see if they are actually uh, fear. Now that's, that was probably one I used less, but I think it's a good option mm-hmm. for somebody that's not as vivid with descriptions as say right. you were with your, both your right. guys' examples. And this is one of those situations where for lack of a better way of describing it, a little metagaming kind of comes in handy. Cause you know, if, you if you come up on a town if you you know you got a, little, a bunch of level four characters and they come up on a town that's being destroyed by an ancient white dragon, they they know they're not going to be able to fight that. 
I don't know, man. The Horde of the Dragon Queen starts you off in a village that's fucking being attacked <laughs> yeah. by a damn dragon. Right. Yeah, that, that was a Level bad one. example. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think those are both excellent uh, excellent examples. But when it does come down to it, it's you have to give a very vivid description just how dangerous they are. I really like the idea of them kind of just showboating a little bit against the players, like with Kurt's example. But I also like the idea you came up with that, you know, if you show him vision, I mean, if you see him, uh, five orcs surrounding a single guy and he punches through his chest or something, <laughs> that's going to, that should instill some sort of fear into the players. And if it doesn't, right. well, then they deserve a hole through their chest. All right. So we hope that we answered your question. Yo, 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 HDD. <laughs> <laughs> really want to know what the HDD stands for now. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a unique name. Yeah, especially since the the third yo is capitalized. That's true. Yeah. And so is the HDD. So it's they're... like yo 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 HDD. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting all fabulous now, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So thank you very much, yo 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 H yo 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 hdd for your question and we hope that we provided an acceptable answer if we didn't you can file a complaint with our complaint department at academy at gmail.com we will immediately delete it um, <laughs> so on to our main topic this is exciting so our main topic all right yeah is orkin's lair the website is orkin'slair.wordpress.com right yes let's talk a little bit about you before we get into your what your website's about um, well, I am uh, a Pittsburgh resident, originally born and raised in a little town outside of Pittsburgh, about an hour away in West Virginia, called Chester. Oh, um, nice. But city life has always been my thing, so definitely uh, relocated up this way after schooling. Um, trade that I'm trying to be prof- proficient in, I guess, would be in website business analysis. Uh, I've had some setbacks recently. Uh, I'm currently looking for new opportunities. Avid gamer and role player myself. Um, so playing? I've always had interests in different games. Um, it kind of started, I think, with board games and then it also into video games and everything like that and spread to, uh, you know, the role playing to get more out of it. Uh, more of like the storytelling and the. Uh, creativeness and other than that i have a 13 year old son uh he's awesome does he play and i i've had him play uh before i don't know if he is in the right state of mind where he would like get other kids to join in and Uh like i can't imagine like that area that he lives in and like where he's at right now you know getting a bunch of kids to join in on the D &D. Right, right, but, right. Uh, that's always, but he's that's played always with a me challenge. and my friends. Yeah. I mean, so, he likes it. Uh, so very cool. I've run him through. Uh, he was playing uh, a Dragonborn um, in one of our adventures, and it was pretty funny because he actually did uh, a more epic move than I think my players could think of because <laughs> some of them just get caught up with the hack and slash or I'm going to use a certain spell. Right. And then the 13-year-old comes along and is like, can I chop this thing's arm off and then, or disarm it and use its big weapon against it? And I'm like, you can certainly try. <laughs> and he crit. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So he chopped this demon's arm off. It was a spine demon and it had that big pitchfork. And this big dragonborn dude that he was on his next turn picked up the, the trident 
and shoved it through her. Oh, badass. <laughs> I mean, like, it was hilarious. I was like, wow. I was like, leave it to, like, the noob <laughs> son of mine. Well, I think, yeah, I think <laughs> that's a... taken out this demon. Yeah, I think that's a common thing is because new people are just like, I can do anything. Right. So, like, everything's just running through right. the mind. What can I do? What can and, I do? And I think we've, we've alluded uh, to yeah. that quite a bit on the show as well, that people get so caught up in the rules... In the mechanics. In the mechanics and... that... They forget that they've got other options. All right, so anyway. <laughs> that leads us on to why you're here. Oricon's Lair. Why don't you tell us about what is Oricon's Lair and why did you really start it? Sure. Um, well, Oricon's Lair basically is a shared RPG uh, community website. So why I created it was I, I kept seeing a lot of interesting things out there and... I started joining like a lot of forums on like Facebook and really like a specific like I have to be playing Dungeons and Dragons worlds and different like Star Wars and I thought that it'd be good to actually be like a one-stop resource to get mm-hmm. kind of everything out of it and anything cool that I found to share with all the different communities right, out right. there and uh, you know and I've had I guess a lot of success with that recently since I've only started writing this blog in October of last year. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. I didn't realize it was that new. Yeah. So, and the funny thing is as soon as I started making like a few videos on my YouTube channel, I was like, yeah, YouTube's hard. Um, maybe just I didn't have to edit anything. I just, you know, type up my stuff and then send it out to the world. So. Right, right. So, well, that's very, very cool website. I know that I started, you know, kind of reviewing this. I stumbled, well, I think I played, you played in a game of mine is where I think I first met you, and I got, yes. I immediately yep. asked you about your logo, which, by the way, is awesome. It's a big yeah, green dragon icon, awesome. which I think you did a phenomenal job with. <laughs> um, Thank you. That was when I first met you, and you directed me to this just wealth of information i love the structure right i love that you bring an outside view into a mod because you can always go to a website and say hey come watch my read my right. use my adventure yeah. use my item use my program it's fantastic right. having somebody like you who does it and gives a good honest review of it is a very good um third party source of understanding and whether my investment's going to be worth it yeah um right exactly just out of curiosity, where does the name uh, Oricon's Lair come from? Sure. Um, well, Oricon comes from... See, I used to read a lot of books back in my teenage years, so I delved into, like, Dragonlands. Okay. Um, so Oricon actually comes from uh, a book that Oricon was a golden dragon who was basically the leader of, I guess, the first golden dragons. Well, actually, all of, like, the... Uh, what are they? The is it chromatic? Metallic. Metallic. Yeah. Metallic. Yeah. Well, there was metallic. the metallic, and then like the whole tachesis <laughs> or tachesis, as a lot of people like to call her. I prefer tachesis. Again, it's about naming. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon <laughs> probably is actually pronounced uh, like something that you were probably saying earlier. <laughs> but yeah. Perception. So from there, you know, that was just kind of like one of my favorite characters from that book, and it just kind of stuck. Awesome. So it's just kind of stuck with me. You go through and you do these reviews of these products, and yeah. now if I'm not mistaken, currently you're you're you do this freelance. Yeah, this is something That's you do correct. in your own time. Yeah. How much time a week do you spend doing that? Yeah. 
Uh, not as much as you think. Um, I've really kind of ramped it down recently. I know when I first started, I was probably posting like one or two things like a week, maybe more. Actually, there was one week when I first started, I think I posted something like every single day. That's and then I was like, wait a second, if I'm posting all this stuff every day, that's probably bad. Right. <laughs> I'm probably spamming everybody. And they're right. like, who is this guy? Forget that stuff. Block. Yeah. And I and I can imagine that uh, uh, by doing that as well, you might, you would have to look harder and harder for more and more content if you're releasing more and more yeah, content. Yeah, right. Because you run out. Exactly. You know, right. So. Um, so now I've kind of like toned it down to... Uh, and since I'm actually doing a lot more hands-on stuff rather than just like seeing something like small and interesting and saying, hey, guys, check this out. You know, now that I'm delving in deeper and reading through modules and like doing like a full review, um, I like to get out like maybe one blog article a week, um, sometimes two maybe, uh, um, just to kind of keep it, you know, fresh and keep like the content rolling as right. it comes through. I do notice yeah. that on your site, you not only do like modules, but you do different systems. Is yeah, I've uh, I've looked at a few different uh, things, and, and I haven't cool released any. I think reviews so much as some of the bigger systems, but like, yeah, I've I've looked into and played a lot of like the the smaller, like more rules light, simplistic games. Right. But um, actually, that kind of brings me in. There's one on your website now. Did you create the simple rules light? Uh, D20 system, or is that one you found? Yes. No, I actually created that one. So the Simplistic Universal D20, um, I basically came up with those rules whenever I was running like some very new new people to uh, to any type of role-playing game. I got to play with this with you. So how exactly does um, it yes. work? So well, I took some bare-bones stuff from my experience with uh, 5th edition, or really any edition of um, Dungeons & Dragons. But I kind of broke it down in just having the roll for a d20 only. Um, no need to like add any modifiers in. Um, basically, your characters are built off of what you think they'd be proficient or deficient in. Um, and usually, as a DM, I say if you know your characters should have like one or more proficiencies and maybe one deficiency and kind of like kept them with the regular scope like strength, dex, intelligence, wisdom, all those normal you know things you see in D&D. Right. Um, so pr proficiency is this kind of like an advantage for 5th edition. Okay. So you'd roll twice, take the higher of the two. Deficiency, you know, the same thing. Right. Instead uh, of having takes, a bunch of modifiers. Um, really, attack. it was about Right. And, you know, you could pick and choose whatever type of weapons you'd want. And what it also allows is if, you know, you want to modify it to get it closer resembling a different game set. You know, maybe not just D&D &D since it's universal, but, you know, you can kind of tweak it to, you know, move people t towards getting into something heavier. The one thing that I really liked about it as a player is that there wasn't a list of spells. It was, I want right. to, this is what I want to do. Is this something my character can do? Right. Yes. And I made a note that, okay, he said yes to that, so that's probably something I can do later. 
and it basically yep. was up to the my imagination of what I want my character to do. Within certain strict, he would say, no, you can't do that, but maybe you could do this instead. And right. So it was really free range, which yeah. meant it didn't require hours of reading books, which is why right. I really liked it, because I jumped right into the system. I made a gun mage, and it was fun as hell. I don't. I wasn't hung up on right. mechanics. I was just, what would my character be able to do? And some of those things worked really well, and other things not <laughs> so much. <laughs> but that, but it was so uh, focused on the storytelling. That's what I think made it yes. fantastic, and it was very right. streamlined and proves that you don't need a million mechanics for every little thing to enjoy a well, game. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because I do tend to think right. that you know a lot of people have this mindset that you either have combat or you have storytelling. I think people kind of yes. think that they. A lot of people tend to think they don't go hand in hand, and I think they can. Um, and I think that is the sign of like a good D and D game is when you are able to do that. With that know, transition yeah, without really like, noticing you're going from story. Right. To like, let's be honest. If you have a mm-hmm. good DM, you know the things that fail terribly are just as fun and interesting as the things that go terribly well. Right. You know, the combat encounter where you just get what you get absolutely demolished is just as fun and interesting as the super unique, interesting stealth encounter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, my point is uh, storytelling doesn't have to be separate from combat, but when there are a lot of rules, I think that tends to happen because you get so caught up in the rules. So, I mean, I, I haven't personally played with the system, but it sounds fun and interesting and it sounds like it it would get more towards that where you can continue telling the story throughout the combat and once again because there was no there wasn't a race restriction there wasn't a class restriction what do you want to play I'm okay I'm gonna be an elf didn't have to be an elf could have probably been a cyborg since it was space you know death race type stuff but that's what came to my mind because (laughs) you know I love playing wit but yeah I didn't have to you say, were oh, I was playing with. Um, so I didn't have to sit and pick, okay, this is my choices. It's instead of these are the choices I have, it's what do I want? Right. And that to me made the system really great. And I just want to say, Kurt, as a developer, you did a phenomenal job on the concept. Well, thank you. Um, I yeah. think it was a lot of fun. And I think it's a really great gateway game. Because yes. literally, you can yeah. sit down with somebody. And in 15 minutes, have a character. Right. Well, and that that's a right. thing that I think is a big barrier. Like, because when I, I go on a camping trip every summer, and there's quite a few of us there. And last summer, I was going to try to do a D&D game. And there were a couple people that had some D&D experience, but there were no, there, I was the only person who had ever played 5th edition. And half the people had never even played D&D before. Mm-hmm. And so just with me having one player's handbook... And a bunch of character sheets trying to, like, <laughs> you know, try to teach yeah, everyone all these rules that's, that's and build rough. their characters and everything. It didn't end up ha- We didn't end up running the game right. because I would have had to spend hours with, like, you know, spend right. 45 minutes with this person creating their character and telling them everything they can do and the way they can play it. Right. And go over to this person and do that for each player. Yeah. And then, so it didn't end up working because once you get into it, D&D is pretty, it's not that complicated. But it's very complicated when it's you start. It's overwhelming if you don't. Yeah, I've never done it. It's yeah. very overwhelming at first. Yeah. There's a lot just. And I think that's what Kurt's, coming at you. Kurt's was trying. Kurt was trying to uh, to the issue you were trying to solve, right? Something you can yep. just get somebody in right away without having to understand a million yeah. 
rules, which, as you yeah. know, if anybody's listening to this show, I'm a huge fan of that. That's why I yeah. immediately switched to 5th edition from 4th edition. Right. Well, one of my favorite systems I've ever seen that I've never gotten to play, um, it's a game called, I think it's called Dread, okay. um, and it's yes. an RPG oh, system, yeah. and Dread's it's a amazing. Jenga tower. Yes. Yeah. It's a Jenga tower, I, and I've never played it, but I really like it. It's on his website, and is I read it? about yeah. it, yeah. I saw it, I saw it on... Um, got a review for yeah. it. I saw it on Tabletop. Oh, oh um, they played yeah, it on that's there. That's actually where I learned about it too. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! That yeah. looks so much fun." So I have to ask, uh, as a freelance reviewer, you've reviewed a lot of things, different mods, different adventures, different game systems. We're gonna poke at that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of all the game systems you've collected under your sure. belt, you're bit, kind of like a like a like whoring right for gaming, right? <laughs> He's got notches, in notches his belt. in his bed, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of all the game, uh, the notches in his mouse pad. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, what is the, another notch on my computer terminal. (laughs) What is your favorite, uh, game system that you've played and why? RPG Uh, or not? Let's see. Hmm. I would have to say, I mean, like I am now a big fan of D and D fifth edition. Okay. Um, probably because it, it just kind of has everything simplistically like out there, and it's like all like neat and tidy now. It right. seems because I I actually used to play five, and I did not touch fourth edition. Thank God. I've heard terrible things. I loved it. Um, <laughs> if you took, but, uh, took away the fact that it was D and D and played it as the game that it is. It was not. It was really good. Yeah. So, it was one of those really? things everyone kept okay. comparing yeah. it to the old. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> off. I just I'm one of the few that no, actually no, no. really likes it. <laughs> so. Nice. Well, see, yeah, and I mean, like, I've heard. I just lost all my credit. Good things. I've heard like terrible things about it. Yeah. But most of the I think terrible things I've heard about it was that it was more like playing a board game than That's it was exactly like playing it. a, a role playing game. Yeah. If you're trying yes. to play a role playing game, not fourth edition. But uh. But yeah, I mean, like, as far as all-encompassing, like, something that I've actually, like, read through all the books now, I've uh, collected, like, modules for and started, like, running games from, I'd say D&D 5th edition has really, like, brought me into uh, role-playing more than any of the other games that I've played. I think that the 5th edition roles are really kind of, like, they kind of have everything you need. They kind of can help bring even new players in because I've actually been a part of a few groups that and have run a few groups of new people into D&D 5th edition and the whole time I'm thinking yeah I bet with even 3.5 I couldn't even have these people know what they're doing um, half the time or have to explain you're not things wrong <laughs> you're right, you're right. yeah <laughs> Well, all right. Well, I would like to let our listeners know that we did not pay or bribe him to say that fifth edition is one of the, his best favorite one. Just saying. Um, no, because I totally just been like, nope, sub twenty all the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite rule system ever. The one I made. <laughs> on Oricon's Lair, you review many. Uh, you review modules and adventures. Yeah. What is yep. your favorite one that you've reviewed and had believe that either a because you played it is the best or the most engaging and one you would recommend to us uh, 
Uh, the one I would definitely recommend um, has been Claws of Madness, and I briefly touched on it earlier at the very start of the yep. show. Uh, it's by Lore Smith, and just by kind of the artwork is what drew me in first. It's It's got a picture of some sort of uh, townsfolk who has tentacles like coming out of him, like something out of Cthulhu. Something out um, of hentai, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could go either way on that. <laughs> Both things are alluring. <laughs> <laughs> Cthulhu, hentai, eh. one and the same. Uh, Whatever. But but like the funniest thing about it was like when I first looked at it, I was like, oh cool, this isn't gonna be like zombies. This is gonna be like you know Cthulhu, like townsfolk that have been transformed or whatever. Like a and, Resident Evil you know, Four. You're gonna run thing. into these people and attack them. Well, that's actually not the case um <laughs> if you look closer into the photograph um and like once you start reading into some of it uh it's actually that this this poor guy has been mutated by something um oh. and the townspeople know him and are like help my brother please and all i can think of right from the start too is, is like oh well everybody's just gonna run in there and probably kill this guy kill him with fire <laughs> stab it till it's dead and in front of the whole town Oh, and no. like, oh, I, I can just imagine. That's why I'm really excited to like run this adventure. I'm like, okay, I want to see what my players end up doing with this, this very starter encounter, like right there. But anyways, um, but it's really it does feel like if any, if any, if anybody's a fan of Cthulhu or the Cthulhu mythos, it it has that feel. Um, awesome. It has creatures that are, you know, probably from a Cthulhu mythos. Uh, it has that feel of mystery and something else that's, you know, out there. This mutation thing is there. Um, it actually has a mutation chart that, uh, or table, I should say, that if your players get too close to a certain area, they will start to mutate as well, and you roll on a nice little table and see what happens, and <laughs> you might end up with some tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, like a lot of fun. It, there's, yeah, um, the maps, the artwork, everything that's involved in this whole module, I thought was, like, super like, well done. Uh, it has, like, that whole professional style to it, and I was shocked to hear that this is their first module ever, and wow. that they're creating more so i mean and i mean you've you know gra- it just kind of like blew me. Me you've grabbed me just with your descriptions and yeah it's definitely worth a check out um and i mean like it's through drive through rpg and i mean it's like five bucks for an adventure that's gonna last you probably like three to four uh sessions into your first very opening to your campaign and from there uh i do know that they're planning like a sequel adventure um, but it's probably not going to be coming out for a while okay. um, to that. Uh, but the it kind of like leaves it where you can just go wherever, you know, because it has everything like neatly there. Like, yeah, it gives uh, me kind of like a like a Resident Evil Four vibe, yeah. where right, yeah, you just kind of come up on this strange place you've never been. Like, there's something right. going on, <laughs> and then you got to dig into it. Yeah. So that's uh, Claws of yep. Madness by Loresmith that uh, our listeners yes. can find over at uh, drive through RPG. You heard it from the man himself. It's a great <laughs> adventure, and you're going to want to give it out. Give it a shot. 
Was there anything else uh, about your uh, your blog and website you would like to share before we move on to our uh, final segment? I would say that uh, just to point out that you know even though it's a blog and a web page, you know, I feel like it can be something more, you know, to that because I have links to like, like a YouTube channel as well. So it's it's really like trying to build it to be like a one-stop resource, if mm-hmm. you will. And I have a lot of other great stuff on there that I've kind of put together. If you go to the YouTube page, for instance, um, you, you may have seen like some playlists I put together of like music mm-hmm. that would go well in like the background for your games and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a it's lot of content much, you're uh, putting out for your for your followers, man. And you know, right. we're ha- I'm happy to be a follower. I yeah. ever since I found it, I've been a follower, and <laughs> I think your content's great, and I think that you keep. Uh, going out and finding things that I didn't even know existed. So yeah. I, I want to thank you personally yeah. for that. <laughs> well, and yeah, I, I like the I, the concept of, you know, more content than, ju- you know, going past just the <laughs> obvious content of just the modules. So like you were saying, like, you know, playlists that you can, that will fit moods for different, like, modules. Yep. That's a really, yeah. that's a, you don't find that in a lot of places. Uh, right. Like RPG music. Um, yeah, I just think that, that's a really... Yeah, it's it's a very cool site. It's a great YouTube page. Um, I definitely recommend our listeners um, go swing by and listen to all the work that Kurt has uh, gathered and put out for you guys. Is the uh, is the YouTube channel Orkinslayer as well? Yes. Okay. So YouTube dot com slash Orkinslayer. Is that right? Um, I imagine. I believe Orkin, it is. Yeah. But Generally, I don't I just know if... search on YouTube for the channel yeah. name, and it'll. Yeah. Get you can also find a leak from your website too. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So uh, that ends our main topic. Thanks to our fellowship with Loresmith, all of Crit Nation has another wonderful chance to win a prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that push them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you don't want to miss. So congratulations to W. Pierce 380 You are this week's winner of Claws of Madness. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on to our our favorite and final segment, the Unearthed Tips and Tricks. All right. So the first thing we've got is our, our character concept. Um, we called it My Adventures. Um, so what I picture with this is, if you've ever seen the Harry Potter series, Gildroy Lockhart. Um, I literally just started watching that and just finished Chamber of Secrets. Good. That's what I picture with this. Okay. Um, so it's... An extremely self-centered guy who's going around trying to write his, trying to go on adventures so he can write about them for his autobiography, and kind of switches things around a bit, maybe a little more than a bit, to make himself look better. Um, (laughs) The way I picture it, though, is a little different than that. I picture he goes around finding other people that do do these amazing things and takes credit for it. Oh, I and like that. Then writes these books about how he's his main, like like Gildroy Lockhart did in <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, which okay, spoiler this is, alert. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of off topic, but my public speaking teacher, 
uh, I, it's a one a, once a week on Mondays. He sent out an email and was like, oh, yeah, make sure you pick up the book. This is what it's called. I also recommend you write notes in your book. Remember how well Harry Potter did in Six Year Potions when he got a book that was previously an- annotated by another student. <laughs> <laughs> um I was, like, I was like, I'm going to like this teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of a, a fun way to get into that kind of mischievous, chaotic alignment type where you're trying to really just pick whatever side is the winning side so you can write about it and get all the glory for yeah, it. And kind of take all the credit, huh? Yeah, I really like that idea. Um, I like the idea just thinking in my head like how I would even <laughs> use that character and play around with it. Um, every tavern that you would go into, I could just see my character like walking up to the bar and be like, so um, do you have the name to the local town crier or bard <laughs> near me? And like, even if they're in the tavern, like it just great role-playing moments where you're just like, tell me a story about somebody in this town who, who recently did something great. You might be able to just slip them some coin uh, and hear this tale and just start writing all the notes. <laughs> well, I also about like this it. Person. I think you're right on the right track with that. Because, um, you know, while all the other players are going in, I want to go and listen to see what I hear about the local goings. This guy walks right. in and says, All right, I want to go eavesdrop on everyone to figure out who did some heroic <laughs> that I can document. Right, exactly. I like that. I really think what you could do with that would be kind of cool is maybe he doesn't tell the party that's what he's doing and his name, right. maybe he's using a false identity with the party and he's penning out all these adventures and when they go into towns, they're re- they're hearing about all these adventures <laughs> of this guy. It's like, we just did that. <laughs> that <would piss> the <laughs> players off, especially if they didn't know the player in the group was doing yeah. it. Yeah. That would be awesome. Nice. That would so. be hilarious. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> So that is our uh, character concept of the podcast, My Adventures. Our next segment <laughs> is our our new Unearthed Tips and Tricks, the Monster Variant. I am a huge fan of variants and not necessarily redesigning a monster stat-wise, but just giving it a little bit of extra oomph for my encounters, and yeah. plus it really throws off <clears throat> the metagaming assholes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and especially right. especially with the example we have here, because we have a variant for zombies. Yep. Um, the cackling zombie. I've I've used a ton of different zombie variants just from like if you ever played Left for Dead, mm-hmm. I, every single zombie that's in Left for Dead I've used somehow in a D and D game. You know, like the the, right, the right. boomers, nice. the grabbers. Uh, so because zombies are so a generic zombie is so boring, but you can change it just a little bit to make it really interesting right and And, that also you know it's a lower level monster so this you could bring uh by creating a slight variant you can bring it into a little bit higher level encounters because it might slightly it might increase the cp a little bit um but our example today is the cackling zombies there's a lot of diseases in the dmg Mm -hmm. and i don't know about you guys do you guys run into a disease or a poison that often besides being stabbed not often. <laughs> Not often. Not often enough. More. Right, I agree. I do run into them more often when I'm playing with you because oh, you like to throw that. random stuff at us. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys were traveling. Somebody drank out of a water and got poisoned, yeah. didn't they? I don't remember what that was. But, um, yeah. So. yeah, it was like a river. It was Michael. <laughs> of course it was Michael. <laughs> Everything bad happens to Michael. <laughs> uh, so um, in the DMG on page 257 is the cackling fever. Basically... Anyone that gets in within 10 feet of the infected zombie must make a DC 
10 con saving throw. Now, this isn't very much, but if you're surrounded by zombies... Well, if it's every turn, there's a chance, you know. Well, they're immune to it once they succeed. Never mind. It's each individual individual encounter, though. So if you've got six cackling zombies, they'll have to save against each single one of them. Zombie, not all six of them. So... While in the grips of this disease, victims frequently succumb to fits of mad laughter, which also is a great role-playing. Yep. It adds to the role-play, especially if they're willing to cackle a little bit. (laughs) But what's interesting is the side effects and symptoms don't actually show up for 1d4 hours, so they may not even know anything's wrong. Way after the combat encounter. And that's that's when it really gets interesting, because you're already through this, and now everyone's starting to be affected by this... This they're just laughing for no reason, and it's getting kind of. <laughs> well, and that, you know what I mean? it can really that kind of thing can really throw a, a spanner in the works if I just said yeah. spanner. Spannered. <laughs> am I English? Am I British? What? <laughs> um, throw a wrench in the works. Trumpets. Yeah, it can really throw a wrench in the works if they're in a a very serious situation, and all of a sudden they just start hysterically laughing, right, uncontrollably, especially right. in combat. Or yeah. maybe you're meeting with a noble. And he's yeah, I'm thinking like a, a serious <laughs> yeah, that's, situation. That's like maybe they're in like a noble, like nobleman. Yeah, they they like insult a noble because of, or they're at like a funeral or something. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so four hours uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this actually disease actually has is nicknamed as the shrieks, which I think is appropriate. Um, yeah. So after they start to uh, manifest after one d four hours, the player gains a level of exhaustion, which is another mechanic. That really underused is well, yeah, and really, on, the the only people who ever really run into exhaustion are barbarians, right? Because if they're features, berserkers, right? yeah. So and it can't be removed until the disease is cured. So that's uh, what is that uh, disadvantage on ability checks? The first, the first, yeah, the first one. So that's a shitty ass debuff to have. I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, any event that uh, causes stress uh, ends up forcing the creature to make a DC 13 con save once they're affected. A failure leads into 1d10 damage, so you got a little bit of ongoing damage there, and they become incapacitated because they're laughing, much like Titty- uh, what is it, Tasha's hideous laughter? Yeah, titious laughter. That's yeah. why yeah, I say titious <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but they're allowed; they are allowed to repeat the saving throw uh, at, the end, at the, uh, the end of each turn, which definitely can weaken your party. Yeah. Now remember, anybody within ten feet of somebody diseased has to make saving throws. So if this disease continues for days, it essentially yeah. can spread to the whole party. Yeah. More than that, it can spread to the town that they're in, the city. Right. God. And you can have an outbreak. So now imagine oh where this little tiny disease, which doesn't get used very often, what kind of trouble it can cause. Right. Man, that funeral would be a great place to be. Oh, dude, I agree. It'd be hilarious. Here we rest. <laughs> Especially because it's it's not just a laugh; it's like a cackle. So right. it's like you're like right. super. You're suspicious now because you're at a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May his poor soul rest in peace. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so when they do rest for the night. They are allowed to make a saving throw starting at a DC 13, and if they succeed, um, the DC will drop for the next uh, rest by 1D6. And so if they continue to succeed, it'll get lower and lower until it hits zero, and they can recover from the disease. 
Now, some sort of spell allows you to remove it. Um, yeah. uh, cure disease or remove disease or whatever it is. So there are ways to get around it. But I think by the time they realize that there's something wrong, yeah. half your party or half the town might already be affected. Yeah. And now this this does put a lot of work on the DM, though, <clears throat> because they got to track all yeah. this stuff. Yes. Um, now, tracking party members, that's pretty easy. Tracking I would probably use... town? <laughs> I would probably use just a percentage die yeah. to see how many people are infected. But you might even start with, like, hey, this person yeah. that's got this disease went and talked to this merchant. So next time they're talking to this merchant, he's... <laughs> You know, <laughs> cackling when he's talking. Yeah, about yeah it. this sword's wonderful. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great deal. Um, so that is our. My gosh, I can just see when you just said about the merchant. I can just see the crazy car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I see is the crazy sword salesman. Like our prices are so low, they're crazy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so that is our monster variant the cackling zombies <laughs> so our nice. encounter of the podcast actually comes from uh kurt here uh our guest today today's encounter is sponsored by <laughs> orican's lair the finest location to find hey you got it is <laughs> brought to you by orican's lair the finest location for all your role-playing needs so this encounter, um, I actually ran this with a group of work colleagues, and it's a take on the Groundhog's Day movie time loop. Um, and always been a big mm-hmm. fan of that movie, and I just thought that it would be such a fun and hilarious it's a good way trope, to yeah. use something uh, in a D&D game. But basically, um, some of the background that I used for the town was based probably straight out of the movie. It takes place in the town of Whispertown, which uh, is during Undermog's Day. A little background on the town, uh, a little bit more you know, following that whole time loop thing. Um, the adventure begins in this town, but this town's actually been destroyed um, for a long time uh, during like a cataclysm uh, of some sort. Somehow the town has been saved by magical means. 200 years or 500 years beforehand, whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is totally to any DM discretion. You can right, right, like, right. incorporate this idea into anything. Um, but the one that I used, um, you know, the town itself seems very strange compared to the rest of the land. So, you know, they might be sitting in this town and looking across the river, and they're like, I have green grass here. But when I look over there, everything's dead. Why is that? That's strange. <laughs> so what's happening is the town is magically made intact and acts in a loop like a memory, just like Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and once someone enters the town, though, they cannot leave. So the town is surrounded by a magic barrier um, and where they can actually see the lines of the barriers where the grass is either green or the stuff is dead on the outside of it. Um... So the party can interact with townsfolk, but they're never remembered the next day, except for there's two people in this town that I created that were uh, people that are already kind of trapped in the loop. So, like, it would be like Phil Connors, you know, decided 
oh, somebody else is stuck in my same loop, and they remember the day today as well, and maybe they've gone a little nuts. So <laughs> I mean, if you've been there for a long time, I can imagine how crazy right. you would start getting because everyone's right. the same. <laughs> right. Uh, the one person that is trapped in there um, is another knight who was on an adventure um, that brought him to the same area. And I actually named him something different, but I think Sir Connors, Sir Connors. Sir Connors is definitely a good name for him. And his character is kind of crazy at that point because he's been stuck there for a hundred years in the same loop. And he's tried about everything, just like we see in the movie, uh, whether it's killing himself like a thousand different ways or times, <laughs> or, you know, maybe he's killed the entire town, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different things. As soon as the group encountered this area, um, they didn't know it was a loop. You know, so yeah, there were certain no things to suspect that, that it would be. Right. There were certain things that happened, and they were, they were kind of like, what the heck is that all about? Like, <laughs> I had this guy, this NPC, Sir Connors, kill himself in front of the group <laughs> randomly. Uh, did you guys just see that? And, yeah, like, he, oh, he yeah, totally that's... just, like, did the whole, like, jump off of, like, a high building to his death in the middle of this town. And then and the, next day, the next day, they just and see him the... chilling at the tavern. He became a centralized character they needed to track down to get more information about right, what right. he might know about the town. Because <laughs> he's been there forever, and everybody else is stuck doing the same thing. Right. He's like the only other person that they've encountered that's not in a loop. So it was interesting. Yeah. Um, what caused the loop? So what I had causing the loop was um, there was a woman who lived in town uh, who was the, uh, she ran the magic shop. And her deity, uh, I didn't use a specific deity. I can't actually remember the deity for it, but it was somebody for, like, the harvest. Right. Um, because that was, like, the whole undermog thing was about harvest rather than about winter. But when this cataclysm happened, she actually has, like, a family there. So it's her and her husband and her little daughter who live in this town. And she prayed to her deity. Yeah. <laughs> so she prayed to her deity to save her town because she witnessed this big, like, cataclysmic explosion like in the next town over that was like kind of like a nuclear bomb coming your way okay. and she you know prayed and since she's a magic user you know the deity you know granted her her wish but the unfortunate event of this wish was trapping everybody in this magical bubble that kind of came in and out of um, so that's what causes the loop but she's not stuck in the loop either She's the other person that's not stuck in the loop. She knows everything that's going on. She knows whatever. Right. Um, so this kind of gives you two ways to interact with the the world to help solve the problem. Because now you can talk to right. Sir, you can talk to the crazy guy Sir Connors, the knight who wandered in, or you yeah. can talk to the sorceress herself. Because yeah. uh, nobody yep. else is going to be of any use. They don't know that there's a nope. problem. Yeah. Um, and I, I think. Yeah. That, and it. Oh, go ahead. I think that that leads to a good op a lot of good opportunities too. Like, I don't know how you approached uh, revealing it to your players, but I envisioned something like this when the knight rolls over, 
they wake up and on their when they're running downstairs one of the waitresses spills ale on them or spills some milk or you know drops their tray and then mm-hmm. every time every eight hours like the third day yeah. they catch the milk yeah right? and they start to predict it so right. i don't know how you approached it but right. i see it like that that would be a good way to gradually hint that the yeah, exact same um, stuff's going on. There's actually an episode. Yep. There's a TV show called Supernatural, and there's an episode. Uh, oh, I love yeah. you say it I as if nobody it. knows yeah. who the hell. When they have an episode is. like this, and that's one of the ways that the loop kind of gets introduced, is they're at the a table, and the waitress drops a bottle of hot sauce, and eventually just <laughs> doesn't even look, just catches it. <laughs> just catches it. <laughs> and I think that that's uh, in. <laughs> I really like that because you could introduce this without really directly telling your players. Yeah, just um, subtle just, things that keep yes. happening over and over again. Like, and, and you can also kill them off as much as you want. And oh, that's I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's, that's I think, the most fun I had with it. You can just kill your players yeah. over and over yeah. again. And right. you, if you and ended a session matter. on that... On the first time they die, die? holy fuck, that would mess them up. So let them spend the whole week building a new character, (laughs) and they get back in life. You, sir, Kurt, are an evil genius. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's like, yes. All right, um, that is our encounter of the podcast, Kurt of Kurt Simcox from Oricon's Lair, Under Mog's Day. I like that. Take it, use it, and destroy your party members. Moving on to the DM tip of the podcast, we have the extra encounter. I cannot stress enough how important it is to have an in-case shit pile. Yeah. This um, is in-case shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have a lot, you know, if the bulk of your party can't show up and you only have two players, you probably don't want to run the next stage in your yeah, serious main story in, in your main story with only two of right. your five players. So you want to have, you know, a, you know, a, not a ton, but a couple of one-shots or just small adventures that you can kind of run if things go wrong and you can't do yeah, I always keep, what you already had planned. I always keep two or three encounters off to the wayside. Um, generally, two of them are combat and one is a social encounter. Um, mostly, I love chases. I've done chases, too, where, you know what, I need something quick, and they're running through a busy uh, trade area. Eh, they get mugged or they get pickpocketed <sighs> and that allows for unexpected turns that the people take like if i've got the group going one way and i've got one person going another that's a good opportunity for that thief to kind of steal his shit i think you know what right. i mean and especially if you know another side is if you are if you're doing this in the middle of a uh, main campaign and let's say they get robbed or pickpocketed and now they have to spend this time getting that back. If they were already on a time-sensitive mission, <laughs> yeah, you know, well, the world doesn't stop and wait for you, you know. So you need to make a choice. You need to either get your stuff back and do it quickly, or well, shit, we're out. Whatever we lost, we got to move on now. The, the biggest thing you're going to use these for are is when the players make an un- unintended decision, like burning down an inn. Yeah, <laughs> or just going in a... You got that, we've talked about that. You got the big pillar of smoke up to the north, and they all go south. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to you gotta have something <laughs> ready for that. I'm sure you've come across that, right, Kurt? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. What I did share today, um, it's called Encounters in the Savage Frontier, which is a D&D 5e module uh, that Jeff Stevens, um, he is one of the authors on it. It's actually a collective of different authors on the DMs Guild. The Hive Mind. Uh, they're, <laughs> what's that? The Hive Mind. 
the hive mind, yes, very much so. Um, there are 24 short and unique encounters in this module. Um, it is super cheap. Uh, it is excellent with as far as giving your adventurers like side quests or like stuff that happens on the road in between. Or I even said that this is a good thing to have when your players ditch out on you like last minute and maybe you only have half a party. You know, there's these little encounters that could happen, but they're all spelled out for you, so you don't really have to take the time to come up with stuff at random. Right, right. So if you have, like, a certain one in here that you kind of, like, like, and they can be tailored, like, when you look at it and you read the description, it says, like, you know, the Savage Frontier that's in the Forgotten Realms is, like, you know, even by the picture you're seeing, like, Indiana Jones-esque, like, crocodile rivers and stuff but there's a lot of the stuff that's in there that can be tailored to anything like even if you're traveling to a desert you can just be like oh forget that there's no crocodiles it's a bunch of scorpions <laughs> over a cliff hanging whatever right. same same exact scenario you can use it the same way um, you just have to like change the so look at skin that. just reflavor it a bit yeah. Yeah, to fit in with our DM right. tip you don't need to come up with your own there's 24 right there for you yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, and they're good I mean like they have maps and everything they again spell everything out for you um, a lot of them can be uh, used as like either short encounters or as like a full one shot as well like so so that's Savage yeah. Frontiers from who? Uh, it is Encounters in Savage Frontier, and it's by the Collective Minds of Jeff Stevens and a bunch of other authors that are uh, published on the DM the DMs Guild. If you go on to their... Oregon's Lair, you can find it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Go to my website. Yeah, yeah. You plug your website. Yes. Link directly. There you go. Visit Oregon's Lair go. for 24 uh, encounters you can use in your game. So, yes, it's important that your players are going to go off the rails. They're going to do it. It's not a bad thing. It no. happens, especially if you want them to make That's what makes D&D own... great yeah. compared to like video game yeah. RPGs, yeah. is you can't right. do that. Right, and so it's good to keep something you in can. the wayside. And if you've got a few ideas, whether it's you know a shifty meeting off in the distance or a standard monster encounter, maybe it's a ch uh, chase scene from robbers, you know, thing, little things like that... Um, Keeping them off to the side when you have a surprise is really good. Um, yeah. And I highly recommend at least two or three of those. And if you keep them generic enough, you can save them indefinitely. Yeah. So. And this is a, a good right. these This kind of situation is a good opportunity to try out, you know, either encounters that you find here where in our encounter of the podcast or Ooh, somewhere like... I love that. Yeah, or somewhere like, you know, Kurt's website, Oricon's Lair. Yep. You know, some of the content he puts out if you find... Yeah. You know, an adventure that he shared, and you say, oh, I want to try that, but I don't have another group. All I have is my main campaign. We'll just throw it in there somewhere yep. as like a, little, a little side right. quest. I mean, yeah. everyone's played an RPG and done a side quest. Yeah. And holding those things off till you need them, or when you don't think you'll need them. Right. You know, you mentioned when people don't show up, that'd be, damn, I got this stuff, let's do it. You know? Yeah, how many times have we had D&D &D nights, and I was the only one that showed up, or me and Ian were the only ones Usually that showed up? So, Ian, we, yeah. so we just did a one-shot. Like, that was where that whole, that one we did that was really... I can't even remember, like, many of the details about it, but I was, like, the well, bar. Thanks for that, because that means it wasn't very good. I no, well, I can remember, like, your details. I just can't remember my details. <laughs> it, I run so many games. I, it, all it was the one where, like, the city together. was split into four. You, like, base it off of Avatar. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of winged that. That was totally yeah, improv. that was all because no one showed up. Yeah. And we didn't, they didn't, like, we didn't have warning that they weren't yeah, showing I up. I had so some encounters, and just, then I boom, just improv, improv the whole thing. Uh, all right, so, yes, um, our DM tip of the podcast, keep extra encounters. Our, like us. <laughs> the magic item of the podcast is the plummeting pouch, which is really fun to say. In addition to being fun to say, um... Do you like that? The plummeting pouch, yeah. Oh, yeah. The plummeting pouch. Took plummeting me a while pouch, to come up plummeting with the pouch. name. Okay. Yeah, you like that? It's like conundrum. I like <laughs> to say conundrum. Pouch. Tungsten. Tungsten, yes. Tungsten's one of my favorites. I like how it rolls off the tongue. Is that Tungsten, weird? tungsten, tungsten. Tungsten. <laughs> We're weird. All right, so our magic item of the podcast is the plummeting pouch. Now, this is an item I've actually used. I had a group, no spellcasters, in an area very similar to Thunderbluff. Um, a very high area with lots of canyons and places you can fall off of. So my player said, is there anything I can get in case I slip and fall? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I don't really know. Let's take a 10-minute break. don't have umbrellas. Yeah, let's take umbrellas. <laughs> 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 Who are you, Mary Poppins? Uh, I said, let's right. take a 10-minute break and let's see what I can find. I couldn't really find anything. I didn't want to give him a powerful magical item. Right. So there was an artificer in the town. So I said, you know what? How about a parachute? I, mm. I imagine they could do a parachute. So I came up with the yeah. plummeting pouch. So this item basically... Just like a satchel, like a, I, I imagine it as a fanny pack. It straps to your front side. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd make them wear it as a fanny pack. Oh, yeah, Like, you put, they could strap it to the side of a backpack. No, 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 no. Fanny <laughs> pack fanny or pack. no dice. <laughs> so it's basically a fanny pack. Um, and the creature uh, that using it gets a one-shot feather fall spell. Basically, it's a parachute. It's an oh shit button. Yes. And <laughs> right. this is a nice item because we classify it as a magic item, but... Um, really, you can give this to anybody and not require attunement. It can, really, it's more of a tinkered item. Like, yeah, yeah, thank be, you, yeah. Tinker, yeah. Yeah. tinkering item. Yeah. Um, where it comes out and it's got a little parachute. Now, I would not do that when surrounded by people with bow and arrows, um, <laughs> because that's exactly what happened. Right. He's like, oh, I'm falling, <laughs> poof, parachute. Well, there's about 20 kobolds below you that have bow and arrows. So <laughs> now it's puckered full of holes, So, but he still survived. But this is a very good utility item that it's got a one-time use. You can put this in a campaign that's very low magic items. Right. You know, if you run a really low magic or no magic at all, this is a good way to kind of allow yourself to put people in dangerous situations where they can fall off the edge right. and still have a chance to survive. Now, if they ignore your warnings and don't pick up the plummeting pouch, well, then when they fall to their death, it's their own damn fault. Well, and, it, you know, this is this could create an interesting <laughs> situation where, you know, with the situation you're using, it's just a city, so they fall out, there's probably nothing interesting. Like, well, it's a whole entire region, if though, you're, that's yeah, like Oh, that. I was going to say, yeah, if you're falling, if you, you know, there's some giant, just giant crevasse in the middle of the ground, and you fall through it, well, what's at the bottom? Yeah, you made it safely, you didn't die, but now what's down here? <laughs> Are you still going to die? <laughs> Um, do you I have... absolutely fall towards lava. Great. <laughs> Why isn't it getting darker? It's getting brighter. It's very red down there. It's moving. It looks like a river, red river. Oh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Tomato soup. <laughs> Maybe you're uh, uh, upwind of some oryx, and that's the blood of their end victims. Um, did you have anything you wanted to uh, comment on, Kurt? Before we move on, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty funny that it's a fanny pack one, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, something to add to it. I mean, 
since it's not really a spell casting ability, mm-hmm. like because it's an object, right? Right, right. It's, like it's not meant to be an actual. It, it has the same effects spell. as it has rather, the same effect. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be hilarious to have it to actually see if it deploys correctly. Oh, I never um, even thought of that. A chance right. to fail. And I mean, like, only a one would be a fail. I mean, even if you rolled a two, it's still gonna, you know, probably pop the correct way, but I could just see the <laughs> hilarity. If, if you actually had this final, this this fanny pack on, and the one time you got to use it, you rolled a one, oh. and it just, like, flies out of the fanny pack in your face, because you probably were wearing it wrong. You probably needed to have it backwards. Like, oh, no. Like, or if they pull it and the, the, the string rips, it just co- it, it deploys right, the parachute like fine, but it anything. comes off of you. <laughs> oh, no. Strap brace. Oh, I love that. And, and we've... Right. I mean, like, even if it still works, and... It, I mean, like, when you make your players think that they screwed up really bad is is a good time. It's glorious. Yeah. Like, even if it has no other effect, like, even if it doesn't kill them, they still, like, fall and, like, just kinda make, make it to the ground. For a moment. <laughs> just, like, make them think, oh, shit, <laughs> I cannot bunker. believe that I screwed this up this bad. Oh, and you man. can just be like, oh, well, like, it flies out, it falls in your face, and then, like, you're just flying down, like, <laughs> at critical mass <laughs> towards the ground, and then all of a sudden it like deploys itself, and you're fine. Oh man, that's awesome! <laughs> I like the idea of making them, letting them choose one out of the ones that they the, they've got like three options, and they pick the pretty red one, and then they roll a one. Well, you should have picked the blue one. <laughs> all right. right, right, yeah, exactly. Very cool. Well, that is our uh, magic item of the podcast: the plummeting pouch. The player tip of the podcast is. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Taking pictures. Yes. We've <laughs> talked to extent... We have talked extensively on how important the social aspect of yeah. Dungeons & Dragons is. And one of the best things you can do to help capture that... Is capture it. Capture it with a picture. <laughs> I, I think that this is one of those things that doesn't really should fall onto the players to make sure they do. It's not required, but taking pictures of people when they're building their characters or when you take a five-minute break and you're all joking around, taking a... Or maybe a very... You, the players are on the edge of the seat and you take a snap... A, a, no. Snap a... Take a, <coughs> take a picture of that. <laughs> take a picture of them when they're on the edge of their seats. Yeah, uh, a party I was playing with at school for a while, um, every time we'd get into... Well, not every time, but a lot of times when we'd get into like a really like intense moment and you know, mm-hmm. everyone was kind of... I wouldn't even notice, but one of the people would just start recording on their phone. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and it was cool because we didn't realize it was being recorded. Right. So, because you know how, it, no matter what, no matter how experienced you are, when you when you know you're being recorded, you kind of spice it up. You act a little differently. You right. know, you, you kind of present for the camera. Right. right. But, you know, it was just us playing. It was It was very genuine and real. And so... Those were cool memories, and those were cool things to look back on and just relive that experience in the realist form. I agree. Yeah, I always like to take pictures of, like, certain encounters. Like, if we've got, like, if there's, like, a cool mini that's out there and we're all, like, surrounding right. it or something. Yeah. And it's, like, always, like, take a snapshot or, or like, even, like, how, like the dm is like explaining something like it's good to like take certain moments like even if they're not looking at you like 
it's funny to see like how energetic DMs can get. Because <laughs> I've been on both spectrums. I mean, right. actually, one of my DMs, uh, he actually broke something in my house, but it was so funny the way that he did it. Because <laughs> he was... Right. I mean, like, he, he was so in the moment that he was trying to explain to the group how a goblin, like, fell. And he actually fell in my apartment and smashed something. Oh, no. And he looked up and he was like, oh, shit. And I'm like, no, dude, it's cool. That was, that was a good moment. Worth, like, worth, I will worth remember it. that forever. Worth every penny. It's only to earn with my grandma. It's okay. I'll scoop her back up later. Right, right. I mean, like, if I would have had a moment... If I would have had a photograph of that moment or a video of that moment, I mean, like, that would be the best. But, you know, just seeing how the expressiveness of certain players and seeing, like, the fun times that you have, yeah, that's right. definitely important and, to try to grab pictures of. And once you've captured that, you know, sharing on, like, a Twitter or a Facebook or sharing with other people um, as a core DN as a core art role player, I like the idea of trying to share the enjoyment I get out of it with others and hopefully getting them with the question, Hey, I, why are you look like you're having a blast? Can I try? Can right. I come hang out with right. you? Can I do that? I think that's a really good, easy way to do that. Especially if you got what I call the closet role player, people who really would like it, but don't like to admit it because it's dungeons and dragons and it's nerdy. Right. And they've always wanted yes. to try. This is a good way to reach those people and hopefully well, draw them. And in. I, that's what I think is like, now, being nerdy is kind of like the trendy thing, and so right. it's not as you know. I've been doing it since upon. long before exactly. it was trendy. I'm just saying. Well, it, well, and the point, yeah, of, the point I'm making too. is, it's not as frowned. <laughs> it's not like frowned upon used, as yeah, much. It's it still kind be, of it, especially you know? in the. It, like, it, there's definitely still a stigma between World of Warcraft and Call of Duty, but sure. it's closer than it used to be. Right. You know? And. There's actually, and, and for pictures, if you've ever played with minis, and we did this a lot with 4th edition where minis were on the board and the games would end sadly in the middle of an encounter, you can take a picture of mini locations and poof, there they are. Right. Good, good that's, way to... That's good, true. Um, and then, of course, the big thing that I like, I like to, when I do build a big encounter area, I do it very pretty. Yeah. I custom make my own terrain, and I put a lot of work into this stuff. So snapping a picture of the work... Huh? Oh, we gotta use those new tiles, man. <laughs> gotta use them. Terra tiles, man. Look into them. They're freaking awesome. Haven't got to use them on the table yet, but they are gorgeous. Uh, I'm pretty sure I came a little bit when I opened the box. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that makes my pants saucy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, taking pictures of those really uh, great work that the DM has put together for the team and shows an appreciation for it. Yeah. Um, and I think... All those things together, the player really can take on that responsibility and just share the experience with the world. All right, so... I'd say the only thing I have to add um, would be my experience with some of my players. Like, I'll record certain sessions. Um, sometimes, I mean, I know that they say that you should always let people know when you're recording, but, again, it goes back to the whole, like, you know, you act a certain way if you're knowing you're being recorded or not. Right, right. Um, so sometimes I will record a session just to, like, you know, out of the blue mm -hmm. and, like, listen to it over again. And it, it's, it makes a good memory, too, for to see and show your players, like, you know, those great moments that you might have had. Yep. I did it recently. Uh, we had a, um, a holiday special, if you will, with, like, a Santa Claus adventure. Hey, and we just did that, too. <laughs> Right. We recorded yeah. ours, didn't we? Yeah. We did. yeah, 
it was in Curse of Strahd, so it went terribly. <laughs> oh, um, no. Mainly for my character. Ours went terribly too, too. because I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like a it was like a zombie Santa Claus moment, but I got it all on tape, and I see where my uh, character like totally died almost. But... <laughs> yeah, you guys. Went um, with but the, it's the zombie. Yeah, but on but it's like photographing too. It's like it's good, like like you said with like the video. If you can capture it with video, that's amazing because you can see like people's reactions. But even if you can't do that, I mean, even if you want to record each session for your games, I mean, it's it's one, it's good to listen back to any time to be like, hey, remember that time that we had that awesome adventure? Now you can re-listen to it. Or it's good Drop for... Drop it as a surprise. That'd be yeah. nice. Right. Um, right. Or or even a recap. Like, I can't remember. Did we do something? Oh, yeah, I think... Let's go back and look. Last yeah. Let me go re-listen to right. that and, you know, back check, I guess. Yeah, you I your lips a lot too. Can I know I, I do. It's it's when I like get an idea, I go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> dang it, I lost it. Sorry. Oh, bad. okay. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Wait. So, <laughs> um, when if you have like newer characters to like role playing, and they if you have people who are, have a hard time getting into role playing because for most people it is awkward at first. Like it is right. because. You know, role-playing is acting. And if you've ever acted on a stage or anything, you know it's, like, you... The thing they tell you is, if you feel like you're over-accentuating, you're probably still under-accentuating. So, that's a really hard thing for people to learn. So if you can show people, like, if you can get video recording of while they're they're playing and while they're role-playing, you can show them, like, look, you don't look awkward and weird. You look like you're just... Like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Keep sure, doing I it. was like right. a peeping Tom when I recorded this and you didn't know, but let's right. ignore that fact. No, but It could I'm be not. a way to just help new players get into it a little more. I agree. Yeah. And that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Photographing people, but also taking video of them when they don't know, but that would be being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Counterintuitive. Like it. Ah, I love it. All right, uh... Well, that is our show. Um, Kurt, do you want to give yourself one more uh, plug about uh, Oricon's Lair for us? So, I mean, if any listeners out there are interested in learning more about my website, um, it is www.oricanslayer.wordpress.com. Um, and it's basically, like I said, a, a shared RPG community, so you're looking for things that are outside of you know dungeons and dragons if you're looking for newer games uh reviews to new modules that you're looking to run in uh or just tools for any role-playing game that you might be running uh definitely check it out i got a lot of stuff on there and uh if anybody has any stuff that they'd like to see that i haven't covered i'm definitely open to feedback you can reach out to me all of my twitter facebook social media is there uh, feel free to open up and uh, let me know. Like a pro, man. Yeah, I wish we could get through our shit that easy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool site. Yeah, uh, you know, And there is also a link to his site from our site now. Yeah, especially like for someone like me who is too D- like I'm younger to D and D. Like mm-hmm. I've only been pl- I've only been playing D and D for about two years. Um, D- fifth right. edition is my Just first. Baby. I know I'm so young. Um, <laughs> fifth edition is my first. You know my first real module. So 
for someone like me who doesn't have as many avenues of all oh, this is where I can find stuff I can find right. all this but find a place like this that kind of centralizes all that is really is a really cool yep. it's a really cool location I want to take a second to thank you for coming on our show and we hope you enjoyed your experience here with us and it's everything oh, you definitely. dreamed it would be <laughs> right you guys are awesome uh, I love listening to your show too so I mean you guys give a lot of good hints and tips and everything for me as well being a DM so I appreciate you guys having me on here it's awesome well, yeah, we're glad to have you. you, and hopefully, maybe we'll have you again. Yeah, right. Anytime. I said maybe. I mean, maybe. We, I mean, we'd love to have right. you on again. <laughs> All right, <so>. we might. <laughs> maybe. All right. <laughs> Please join us on our next episode. We hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing how to build a great villain. <laughs> that was not very good at all. <laughs> I've heard better. <laughs> I've had Why better. can't I think of Kafka from Final Fantasy? Kafka? What his laugh was. I don't remember. It was like it's like maniacal. It was really six, weird. It was like six bit, wasn't it? Sixteen bit. Well, I mean, like in the well, there wasn't sound. It was just in the text. Well, then how the I hell am I supposed to know what it, what it sounds like? How can you? You can't remember because you didn't make I no think noise. It was just like me. <laughs> <laughs> is some of this shit missing like a, just just add a joker laugh in there at some point yeah oh, i love it and clip <laughs> all right we hope you enjoyed your experience here at crit academy if you enjoyed this episode you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on libsyn or itunes make sure to give us a like and a share you can also subscribe to us so that we can help you on your future adventures if you have any questions you'd like us to answer or subjects you want to hear us discuss, please leave us feedback on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy, or you can email us at critacademy at gmail.com. Make sure to visit our website, www.critacademy.com, where you can support us and find great tools to enhance your game. Also, visit Oricon's Lair at www.oricon'slair.wordpress.com for lots of fun tools and tips and stuff. <laughs> Stop! I like that. I like that. All right. So, <laughs> I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Mm-hmm.